If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of The Mind Pump. So look, we talk all about fitness, health, nutrition, getting stronger, getting fit, looking awesome. All that good stuff. But we also have a lot of fun. Uh, here's what we talked about in that episode. In this episode. For the first 48 minutes, we did our introductory current events fun time conversation. We start out by talking about the book that I got for Adam, the new father, yeah. The Giving Tree. Gracias. I actually missed the made a mistake <laughs> Gracias. and ordered him the Spanish version. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about Justin's emergency root canal. He's eating too hard again. Fuck, stop yeah, chewing so Not damn. chewing rocks. Difficult. And how he's using Organifi protein shakes to man- maintain his beefy physique <laughs> while he had this, oh, yeah. this root canal. Enjoy it. I talked about the studies on a compound known, that, known as ectisterone. They're trying to petition uh, governing athletic bodies to ban it. That's how effective it is. It's kind of weird. Uh, we talked about nanomedicine um, and the future of nanomedicine and how that may impact us. Uh, Justin brought out how he saw great white sharks on his uh, catamaran voyage with his kids. Yeah. Um, and I talked about how a hippo would beat the crap out of a shark. Um, Had to one-up me, didn't you? I brought up the fungus that is killing people in the U.S. right now, Candida auris. It's, uh, it's resistant to treatment. Kind of scary. Uh, Adam nice. brought up Nike Golf Streetwear. They're trying to make golf uh, super cool with the kids. Um, I brought up how I may have convinced my dad to get Butcher Box so we can eat grass-fed meat. Oh, by the way, we are sponsored by Butcher Box. If you go to butcherbox.com forward slash mind pump, you will get six free burger patties in every box and $20 off your first order. Uh, this is going on from July 10th to August 4th. Make sure you go there. Oh, and use the code mind pump for uh, so that you can get all that. Oh, and by the way, Organifi is our other sponsor. They're the makers of organic supplements, protein powders, green juices, and much more. If you go to Organifi.com forward slash Mind Pump and use the code Mind Pump, you'll get 20% off. Uh, I brought up the study that challenges free will. Do we really have free will or is it an illusion? Um, And uh, then we get into the the fitness portion of this episode. The first fitness question, is it possible to naturally maintain single-digit body fat year-round without ruining your metabolism or throwing your hormones out of whack. So we talk about what you can do to stay lean all the time without compromising your health. The next question, this person wants to know about the exercises that you can do with a landmine. Now, a landmine is a piece of equipment, super inexpensive, great for home gyms, but also great for your commercial gyms. It allows you to do all these different versatile uh, type of exercises. So we talk about our favorites in that part of this episode. And the next question, uh, this person's a hard gainer. They're plateaued. It's very difficult for them to gain muscle. We tell them what to do to get their body building muscle and getting stronger again. And the final question, this person wants to hear about some of our lowest moments in the fitness industry that had us almost change our mind as to whether or not fitness was for us. We talk about some very personal stories in that part of this episode. We even call some people out. Oh, yeah. People we worked with back in the day who... Now you feel bad for being an asshole, don't you? Ooh. Yeah. Karma's a bitch. And uh, also, uh, this month, that was a little aggressive. Maps Anywhere is 50% off. Now, Maps Anywhere is the program that's designed without equipment. So if you want to train your body with just your body weight and bands, but you also 
want to build muscle, burn body fat, and get phenomenal results, this program is expertly written by us to be extremely effective and appropriate for beginners to advance. It's scalable. So if you're advanced, this workout will challenge you. It's also a great workout to use when you travel or when you're at work or if you want to mix it up. If you're always using weights and machines um, and you're not super experienced with a consistent body weight type routine, try this program out. The novel stimulus will get your body to respond. Now it's half off, so now's the time to get it. Here's what you do to get the discount. Go to mapswhite.com. That's M-A-P-S-W-H-I-T-E.com. And use the code ANYWHERE50. That's A-N-Y-W-H-E-R-E-5-0. No space for the discount. Make sure you act now because this promotion will not be back until deep next year. Also, look, I love listening to podcasts. Not a lot of podcasts, but some podcasts. And one in particular that's my favorite, is the Jordan Harbinger Show. Now, we've had Jordan on the show before. He's one of the greatest interviews uh, interviewers I've heard on podcasts. He's actually in the studio with us right now. Jordan, the episode you did with Matthew Schreier blew my mind. This was the photographer that got captured by Al-Qaeda. In, yeah. I think he was in Syria. Yeah, he was in Syria. So this guy, he's going to take pictures. He takes a ton of pictures, gets a lot of really good ones. And, uh, of course, on his way home, he gets kidnapped by Al-Qaeda. And he's like, oh, crap. I couldn't have got kidnapped by any of these other militias. So he's making them laugh, and he's got all these different techniques for staying alive and getting special treatment that we talk about on the show because he uses a lot of intuitive psychology to stay in their good graces. Then he gets this a-hole cellmate who's American and is just like this total dipwad who does everything wrong, and he gets him like punished, and he starts planning an escape, and then they'd move him, and he plans another escape, and then they move him, and they plan another escape, and they get caught. And it's just over and over and over. And eventually, he ended up escaping, and the way that he escaped was pretty insane, too. I mean, he just... Imagine being covered in, like, bed bugs in a basement with a bunch of Al-Qaeda idiots. You have to listen to that episode. It's uh, episode 217, The Jordan Harbinger Show, Blew my mind. Hey, don't read the book yet. Hey! El, el, el Abal uh, Generoso. El what? Abal Generoso? Yeah. Dude, I, I uh, suggested Había I got... Había una vez un árbol wow. que ama uh, un parquino nino. Damn, bro. I'm, I'm more Mexican than you I are. Know, For you sure. sound terrible. <laughs> we got to get you. Terrible, bro. More Your accent. Only like quarter. No, so so there's this Man, book. Not the quarter that can read. If you're a parent, I'm sure you've read this book. Uh, Justin and I talked about yeah. it before. Called The Giving Tree. And uh, once you have your first kid and you read that to them, yeah. there's another one too. That's like a rite of passage. There's another book called I, I, I'll Love You Forever. I'm also going to get that for oh, you. Oh, I've heard of that one. Both books ruined me yeah. when I read them for the first time. And Justin said the same. So I'm like, I'm going to get one for Adam. Put like a soft dent inside, inside my entire book. Oh, yeah. You're like, yeah. why are my... Like, I'm do I, now. What is this fluid coming out of my <laughs> face? Do I read yeah. it now or do I wait until like... Read it to your son now. Okay, now. Yeah, okay, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. What do you mean, of course? I don't know. Well, what's then the, what's you read it later too, like when they get to be like toddlers, and you're like, oh. Yeah. Well, the best thing is to read it now, so that when you cry, he won't remember it. Exactly. You know, he won't yeah. know his dad. No, you're was, right. Was a big, <laughs> yes. a big, you know, softy. Anyway, that is a good move. But I, you know, I, I, so I went online after we were talking about it, Justin, and I'm like, yeah. oh shit, this is the perfect oh. gift for Adam. And like an idiot, I didn't. I don't know what happened. I ordered him the Spanish version. <laughs> so he's got the. So he's got the. You're so racist, bro. Yeah. You're uh, so racist. Oh yeah, that's why yeah, I did it. Yeah, subconscious. Yeah. So, but yeah. I got him the English version afterwards. So yeah. now you have both English 
and Spanish. We'll read them both to him. <laughs> no, so, it's good. He'll be bilingual. Yeah. yeah so. By the time he's ready. <laughs> it's so. a, not right. with the way I read Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like the Spanish version of library, like all over the place. Yeah, yeah. terrible. But anyway, yeah. it's a good it's a good book to to share with your kid and it's just no, it's a great book. Hey, what happened to your face the other day? Uh, you had to have a little root canal, huh? Yeah, I did. It was... Uh, what was that all about? So you didn't know, huh? No, I didn't know. I've, I've been in like dull pain for the last couple months. What a fun surprise. Yeah, right? Like <laughs> It's like opening a present. Uh, and I went to the dentist thinking maybe... Maybe I have some kind of cavity or something like, uh, you know, some kind of abscess or something that, uh, you STD. know, in my tooth. Yeah, some kind of disease yeah, <laughs> from sex. Um, it was those you know, yeah, days. I wasn't using a dental dam, so I don't know. It was those, know, truck, stop, those yes. truck stop days. Remember those days, Justin? <laughs> yeah. Who uses a dental dam, by the way? Uh, I just, I want to know. I think it, DM me later. I feel like that'd be the, um, an instant turnoff, right? Yeah, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> like you're bringing yeah. it out. It's almost like a fruit roll-up. Yeah. You just you know, put it out there. <laughs> a fruit roll-up be funner anyway it would be anyway this is all sidetracking uh yeah so I, I went and then he was like oh my god like so you have a cracked tooth and it's like infected all the way down to the root and i have like all this like pus like in where, where there's normally supposed to be like clean clear channels like down to the root of the tooth is like all filled now, up now, adam you know why this happens to him don't you what are you what are you putting in your mouth he fucking eats too hard he eats too hard. <laughs> yeah like <laughs> Like, like, I don't eat too hard, yeah, man. Yeah, you do, bro. Yeah, you do. Uh, you, you do maybe I do. You, maybe. Yeah, there's, I don't, there's nothing you do at appropriate intensity. Yeah. It's always, yeah. it's always hard. So he's like eating. So he's like, well, I have to be like very intentional to do soft things. It's, it's, it's so that this, is a challenge for me. You knocked this out in and out. You yeah, well, pretty I got good lucky. for somebody who had a root canal. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. I was in a massive amount of pain and didn't realize like, uh, you know, it was worse than it was. Because so. you're a badass. I mean, I'm like a soldier. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just didn't know. Like, I was like, I kept like hitting it, you know. And, See like, what he does, bro? I was like, <laughs> Why is like it massaging it, you know. I was like trying to get it with like salt solution with water. Yeah. And he's, and I told, it was funny because I went to my friend, uh, uh, Dr. Rao, he's, I grew up with him and stuff. And so I could like bullshit with him. He's like, let me guess, dude, you were just like flossing it and, uh, you know, brushing it hard and having like some kind of salt solution. I'm like, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he knows you well, doesn't he's like, he? He's like, you idiot. Did you tell me? You were, <laughs> did you tell me you were hitting it to try and make it better? No, I didn't tell him that. Okay. But uh, so, what is the proper protocol now that you figured out that wasn't the right one? Yeah. So, uh, thankfully, he had time set aside that day. He's just like, you know, I could just, I could do this now for you. And so he he gave me a root canal where they just go in and uh, basically make a room and and then they they clear it all out with, with some um, bleach solution that they put in uh, mm. and uh, they flush it all out. And so anyways, it's like uh, the, the, the tough part was basically I had let it gone on for way too long to where um, like when they go to numb it, I had to get so much of that, like the entire way through, because I could still feel it when he'd get down lower. And like, so he'd start drilling and, and putting oh. needles in there. I could totally feel it. It was like lightning bolts. And, uh, so he kind of, he came back in and, and so anyway, my whole face was just like, like this, this totally like frozen and suspended face. You had the straw face. You yeah. Had the, you All went day. home with that. Yeah. I oh. couldn't feel anything, dude. Where you're like, now, half of it works. Yeah. Is this possible uh, from the acidity from coffee? Can coffee cause this? Uh, have you tried to unpack this and figure out? I what? have. Okay. Yeah, there's been a lot of thought. Uh, 
I, here's the thing. My jaw too is, has been misaligned from you know various like fights and you know there's been a Truck lot of stop days. There's been a lot of shit that I've been in like with my face. You could just look at his jaw to make room. Yeah. <laughs> And and I found well for me like I noticed like it it really set it off when I had sugar because like it just got super inflamed in my gums and it made its way in there and it just aggravated the shit out of it so I was like well thank God because you got it handled, I, dude I, I went yeah. saw I I went and saw a dentist about uh, eight years ago with this issue that I had going on and it was and I could I could run my tongue across my my back uh, two teeth and I could feel like these little divots like as if I was starting to get a cavity. And she actually told me that it was the um, like rock star drinks that I was drinking because I was drinking I was drinking two a day like religiously. Oh, did that penetrate through the enamel? It damages the enamel. Yeah. Yeah. And what's crazy was that's all I did was stop drinking those, and I was I was cold. I went cold turkey for like a couple years, and it completely healed it. You can actually. I thought that was yeah. Lots of studies now show that you can heal cavities. So they used to say, oh, if you have a cavity, that's it. Oh yeah. Cavity is different. Yeah, I mean, and this it, is a cracked tooth. It's all about the the microbiome in your mouth. Did you know that? It has everything to do with the microbiome in your mouth, and which is so. So for me, for example, I may have gut issues and microbiome issues there, but apparently you have a phenomenal mouth. Yeah, that's uh, that's. Let's <laughs> stay on that subject. So anyway, yeah, I could never eat. had a cavity. So I was like I'm trying to figure out I how I was even going to eat, and uh, I had uh, Courtney actually made me this. This recipe, and you know, we use some of the protein from Organifi to to help at least give me something, you know, to, to eat besides just like a like it, it calls for like a cocoa solution with like peanut butter and then a little bit of uh, banana and whatever. It was a great shake, but like I I had to eat something, dude. That was all I had the other the last two days. Did you, I just don't want to eat. Did you it. use vanilla with that or chocolate? Chocolate. So you went chocolate, cocoa, peanut butter, banana. Yeah, and then blend it up. Yeah. And and with you know the appropriate amount of ice, it was it was it was good. Yeah, dude. my my kids. I haven't been eating any of those. Now that my kids are back from uh, their trip in Italy, my son's back to you know lifting with me, mm-hmm. and so he's having the conversation about food and you know I, do I need to eat more? And he makes the mistake. It's so funny. He makes the classic mistake that I think all of us make uh, when we're when we're younger and trying to put on size. And Just that, eating garbage and and eating a lot all at once. Yeah. So yeah. like he'll be like hey, he'll be like Papa, take me to to Togo's, and I'll be like, all right. So we'll go to Togo's, and I'll get him. Togo's is a sandwich shop for people who don't know. And he'll be like, get me the the biggest pastrami and cheese sandwich. I'm like, are you sure that thing's massive? He's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he'll like stuff himself, and then he'll won't want to eat for yeah. the next you know five six hours or whatever. I'm like, you got to pace yourself. You make yourself sick. Yeah. Then you're not going to eat more because you'll end up eating less because you feel like shit. And so now he's starting to uh, ask about protein shakes. And so my recommendation to him is, look, uh, use milk, whole milk, because that's a natural shake in and of itself, and it's it's much more natural. And I said, and if you want, we can add some of the some protein powder, and then you can drink that. And so I made him one with the chocolate Organifi, and he's like, oh, this yeah. is. Are you sure this is healthy? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's pretty good, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. That's actually the first time I've had like a plant a plant based protein too. So yeah, it was first it was time. Smooth. Yeah. We've only been working first with Organifi time. for like. <laughs> I don't. I don't eat their protein. I never professed that I ate the protein powder, dude. So we, you guys so had that one. We each have. We we all have our things with the different. Yeah, I was sponsors. all about their pure hey, and bro, their keeping it real. I, feel, yeah. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a protein powder guy. I use you know, it. I, don't need I, that shit. I use it a lot. We just made those brownies again. I mean, it, it's uh, they there's a recipe. I and I think I I, I mentioned it on the show, right? Did yeah, I you get, did. Okay, good. I was gonna say I, I thought I I thought I mentioned. I think what everyone was hit me up was I didn't remember the 
the oven time and stuff, which I got I got to ask Katrina for that, mm. and then I'll post it in the forum. But mm. no, I use I use the the protein powder quite a bit. I'd say that between that and the green juice is probably the two products I use of theirs the most out of everything. Mm. But again, it's like as needed. You know, if I'm that's if, the that's the best way to right. Use if it. I'm if I'm dialed in, uh, getting all my protein from uh, you know Whole Foods, like I I don't use it. Doesn't make sense to supplement. Right, at but all. I do. But I absolutely do when I know that I'm not hitting those targets. And I've always expressed on this show that it's it's tough for me to hit you know 200 grams of protein mm. consistently especially if you're only eating two or three meals in a day it's just it's rough to get that dude speaking of supplements uh so you guys i've brought this particular supplement up a few times on the podcast i never made a big deal about it because i always want to be careful with what you know i say because people may act on it and try to you know buy the supplement or whatever um but for a long time now there's been a supplement i've taken like i've taken Everything. And when I say everything, I don't mean a lot of things. I literally mean- In every orifice. Everything. I've taken every supplement that exists, uh, and I challenge you to find one that I haven't. But anyway, uh, and, and just challenge because- Challenge accepted. Yeah, I've been a fanatic since I was a, a kid. But anyway, one supplement that I found that I started taking uh, on and off probably in my late 20s that actually worked, uh, like creatine, creatine works. This other supplement actually works. It's called ectisterone. Um, now, ectisterone is a uh, it's a it's a it's found in plants, so it's found in spinach uh, is one of the plants that it's found in. It's also a an insect hormone. So when insects produce this particular uh, hormone in their body, it makes them grow and it makes them molt. Now, uh, I found this supplement because when the Iron Curtain came down, right when the Soviet Union disbanded or whatever or or broke apart. We had this huge influx of studies come yeah. over from the Soviet Union, and some of the studies were phenomenal, like like weightlifting studies. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the best studies you'll ever find, maybe not today because now we have a lot here too, but when the Iron Curtain came down, the, some of the best studies that that we got came from the Soviet Union because they invested a lot of money. Oh, every isometric uh, you know, type of study that I researched was coming from the Soviet Union. It was awesome. Yes, was and like, so what, when, when I was a kid, uh, well, not when I was a kid, when I was in my late 20s, <clears throat> I went online and I would search these Soviet studies because I thought maybe I'm going to find some shit that you know, other people don't see or whatever. And one of the things that they studied quite heavily was ectisterone. And in these Soviet studies, they found that it was very reliable at building muscle, burning body fat. It didn't have any effect on hormones. Uh, it and had, it's found in a plant. It's found in a plant. Uh, you'd have to eat a shit ton of, of, of spinach. I think you'd have to eat like eight kilo, four, four to eight kilos of spinach a day to get the right amount of oh, ectosterone. Is, is so this, Popeye was right. Huh? So is exactly. it, I was going to say, you brought up the Popeye thing the other day. Is that where this is coming from? Yeah. So okay. so it's fa- so if you ate a bunch of spinach, you're not going to get the, the amount of ectosterone that's going to do anything. You have to supplement with it. Unless you can eat, I don't know, 17, 18 pounds of, <laughs> of spinach, in which case it'd probably fuck you up. But anyway, so these studies would show that it, it was very reliable at packing on muscle and in some of these in one of these studies the soviet era study they compared it to dianabol the what the old school anabolic steroid now here's how they compared it they took that's uh, like the most powerful one right yes but i got to give you a little caveat here All right. it was five milligrams a day of dianabol which comes out to you know 35 milligrams a week of dianabol which is an extremely low dose of dianabol now to be fair the first 
athletes to use anabolic steroids in the U.S., that was the dose that they used. So when you look at the, the first Mr. Olympia or the Mr. Universes of the 1950s and 60s, guys like Larry Scott and, and way back then, that's what they were using, five milligrams a day of Dianabol, but they also had amazing genetics or whatever. And steroids are steroids, right? We know that they work. But when they compared it against Dianabol, it actually was more effective in a short in a short period of time, an eight-week period. So when I read these studies, I'm like, oh, shit. So I would take it. It would actually fucking work. And there were a few clients I would recommend it to. Doug was one of them. Doug uh, has actually had a little bit of experience taking it, and he would notice that it works. Does this explain his youthfulness? Yeah, no, he stopped. He stopped <laughs> messing with it a little it's while ago. Blood. Because you notice uh, like increased libido, hormonal effects, although it doesn't seem to affect hormones. It feels like it, right? So anyway, the reason why I'm bringing this up is I've been talking about this on and off for a long time, and uh, the supplement market has a lot of fake ectosterone. So then you have people on, on message forums who are like, ectosterone's bullshit, I've taken it, it doesn't work. And I'm like, eh, I don't know, if you get the right stuff, hmm. it does seem to work. Well, anyway, there's a, a bunch of US scientists that reviewed all the literature, performed their own studies, and are now petitioning the governing bodies uh, of the Olympics. And they're saying this should be a banned substance. So, so they're saying, oh wow. no, this works. So it works. They're yeah. identifying 100%. They're like, it works and it needs to be banned. Wow. We need to ban this because it's got, it'll, it'll give some people an unfair advantage. Wow. So here's the funny thing about it, right? Is so there that, more concentrated doses out there now? It's, it's just you got to get real ectosterone and it's uh. not easy to find. Uh. Uh, it's expensive. And so, uh, what ended, oral form powder? Or, like, yeah, you just yeah. take it. Yeah, okay. pills. It pills. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, back when I was taking it, the one, the best brand I found was uh, it was called E Ball. I think it was called E, and then B O L. They don't make it anymore. I'm, I'm not affiliated or anything, so you can try finding. It. You ain't gonna find it online. They don't make it anymore. But what's funny is this study comes out, and it made mainstream fitness news. So people listening might even have heard of this already. That they were petitioning, and once you say something needs to be banned. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh shit, right? Oh, yeah. This is the new SARMs. Yeah, so I, I, was ta I talked about this at our live event, and Danny was there. Danny, our, our YouTube uh, fitness uh, yeah, trainer. Head trainer. Yeah, head trainer. Um, Danny Matrenga. So he comes up to me. He's like, what? He's like, I read that study. He goes, I want to try it. So he goes online. <sighs> Good luck. He can't find it. That shit's sold out now. Just sold out. Yeah, because as soon as lost that came big out. news, yeah. Yeah, wow. as soon as it came out, everybody lost their minds, and now I was trying to buy it. But I think it's fucking hilarious. Right? Do you remember when you messed with it? Did you? Yeah. What did you? What did you think? Well, what I noticed was, you know what it felt like? It felt like uh, a a mild um, designer steroid, like uh, the old. It wasn't nearly as strong as like the old uh, methyl masterdrol or one testosterone. It was, I would say, about half as strong, which is about a million times stronger than most. Supplements and because are. it's derived from something like spinach, what are the side effects? Any? Well, when you look at the literature, um, they don't seem to find any uh, negatives. Now, here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. Here's what I notice: when you first go on it, you get a sharp rise in libido, you build more muscle, you feel like your recovery goes through the roof. After about six weeks, the effects really start to drop off. And after about eight weeks, you feel like you're not getting anything of it. And then when you go off of it, there's like a week or two where your libido goes way down and you you kind of go below baseline. Oh, so that reminds me of our experience when we messed uh, with that Humanifor. Yeah. Humanifor. I was just thinking the similar, same thing. Similar yeah. feelings. Similar I remember feelings. that too. When we, when, we, when we tried that Humanifor, I was like, whoa, for yeah. four to six weeks, yeah. I thought it was there's amazing. happening. Yeah. But then it did. It just died right now, off. Now, here's why I'm always careful to talk about shit like this because people then hear this and they're like, oh, fuck, this is going to change everything. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't even. It, it's not even in the same universe as good diet and, and workout programming. It's just if you're dialed in, 
you'll notice something. That's basically what you, what'll happen. You'll notice something when you take it. But other yeah. than that, it ain't this huge. Well, I'm panacea. always interested to see which ones get banned. You know, from the Olympic uh, board and all that, and all these EPOs and all these different performance enhancing mm-hmm. like supplements that you know that you might find in just a regular supplement too. That you have to like be careful if you're an athlete. Well, what's weird about it is that it's a it's an insect and plant hormone, and it doesn't um, it doesn't attach to the androgen receptors of humans. So it's not like you're taking it, although your libido goes up, which is weird because it's clear. I feel like I, I can totally tell. It doesn't attach to your testosterone receptors. It doesn't affect testosterone levels. They've done several studies to see if it makes testosterone mm. grow up or whatever. But they do think it's it, it does have something to do with the, ready for this, estrogen receptors of all things. What? Yeah, which is kind of weird, right? Like suppressing or something from- and then it causes the... I don't know. That's weird. Now, here's what's what. Here's the deal with the estrogen receptors. Huh. I know in some cases, if you block, and this is if you have low testosterone. So if you go to the doctor and you have suppressed testosterone levels, one of the treatments they'll do is they'll give you what's called a selective estrogen receptor modulator. This is a this is a uh, prescription drug that'll attach to your estrogen receptor and block it. Now, the reason why they'll give this to a man with low testosterone is because when your estrogen receptors are blocked- This is like a Novadex or something. Yeah, right? Novadex or Clomid. Yeah. Your, your, because the estrogen receptors are blocked, the, uh, the way a man gets this, uh, estrogen is it converts excess testosterone or whatever into estrogen. And so if your estrogen levels are perceived as low, a man's body will actually start to try to produce more testosterone. But again- it doesn't raise testosterone. So I have no fucking idea hmm. what's happening. And I've read a lot about it. So I'm interested to see. I really hope they don't figure out some like, oh, this increases fucking cancer or some weird shit. Because oh, yeah. I've been going, I've been messing with this stuff for <laughs> for decades. <laughs> but, you know, what are you going to do? That's the risky take. Speaking right? of that, uh, speaking of cancer, I was I read some article on uh, nanomedicine. What do you guys know about that? Like, I know very little about that. And it sounds like they're predicting, like, we're going to see that in the next, like, decade. Really? I've read about this in, like, popular science and, like, some of those uh, scientific journals a long time ago. Like, this was, like... One of those like futuristic uh, sci-fi kind of things where they're going to get these little nanobots to help kind of identify problematic cells. Well, yeah, and all that, that. that's what they're that's what they're saying. They're saying that, and the the technology is there, and we're here. It's just we just have to test it more, and then we're probably going to see this in the next decade. And they're saying it could be a game changer for things like cancer because it'll be able to detect it yeah. extremely early, so we can get ahead of it. Nanotechnology. Hmm. Uh, what we're learning about the 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 microbiome of the body and 3D printing, those three things will uh, will revolutionize our understanding and how we treat biology uh, like nothing you can, you can, I mean, it's the, the past, you know, uh, the last century was the century of physics where we had amazing and incredible breakthroughs in physics, um, uh, like the theory of relativity and stuff like that. They say that the next big breakthrough is in biology and a lot of it's going to be nano. So basically what it is is, uh, to give you an example, they could create, uh, or the theories are that they could create these little, you know, microscopic, quote unquote, robots, where they can fill them up or inject them or whatever, or or have them be carriers of medicine, and they could program these robots in ways to float around your body and then deliver the medicine to the targeted areas. So theoretically, it's insane. Theoretically, you could have a bunch of chemotherapy nanobots that bring chemo just to the tumor. Right, instead mm-hmm. of your whole body. Just the cancer cells and just kill the cancer cells and now 
you're all good. There was one study I read where they had nano, uh, they did this with animals where they injected them with, with these nanobots or whatever. And then they used the light and the light that they shone on certain areas attracted the nanobots and they just attacked the areas that they directed the light to so or like whatever. Little piranhas. Yeah, dude. So it's, it's fucking crazy wild shit. With yeah, that's, that is out there, man. I can't believe that's like around the corner from us. Yeah, well, they projected to be like a 300 or a $500 billion industry in the next like decade or two. That's well, crazy. Imagine healing your body. What if they could like inject your, 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 your bad knee and the well, nanobots? Do, 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 do. Still, we're slowly becoming cyborgs, you know, at that point. It's like, it, how, how do they like get out of your system after that. They, they, some people would probably just want to leave them in. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think what they'll, what it'll probably, I'm sure there'll be an exit, right? So they give you the nanobots. Once they do what they do, they dissolve or destroy themselves. Hmm. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> so yeah. then they don't control, manipulate you. Uh, that's but, just the conspiracy side of my brain. Yeah, always, always, always active. Yeah, like, uh, like you know, remember on Iron Man, how like he had the uh, the nano suit that would just, just like materialize on. His yeah, body? yeah, yeah. Hopefully, some weird shit doesn't like happen like that. Yeah, we you know, just all turn of a sudden into like, these like robot zombies. Yeah, like oh yeah. shit, what's happening to my? Yeah, head? we just turn. Or you have a, you know, you get your your wife pregnant and she has a nano baby. I mean, yeah. I. I <laughs> Nano babies. I don't fully understand it or see all the applications, but for sure it makes sense on the the cancer thing, which that could be revolutionary for cancer. I think that's incredible. Oh well, think about it. Uh, you know, if you have um, autoimmune issues, if you have like a you know diabetes, you could direct nanobots to the pancreas uh, to get it to produce insulin again. Um, like you know, like it, maybe it used to, or the fact that it doesn't anymore. You could direct it to potentially you know your ankle or joints or your heart, you know, maybe your heart needs uh, constant repair and help, and so they could direct the nanobots into that area. I mean, it's uh, it, the 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 limits are. Uh, oh yeah, it's yeah, incredible. It's, it's it's amazing what you yeah, like what our world's gonna look like just in ten years. I bet, dude, it's crazy. Anyway, Justin, I want to ask you about that scary ass video you you took of your little weekend uh, trip with your kids. Oh yeah, over the weekend we. We uh, charted this this O'Neill boat. It's like one of those catamarans, and uh, we did it for Courtney's uh, dad for his uh, Father's Day gift. And so, like, we got on the boat, and we thought we were just going to do this cool sailing trip around, um, you know, Santa Cruz and around, uh, uh, you know, like the the normal spots and whatever. And, they, and then the guy came out and he's like, "Hey guys, like most people take me up on this. I just want to know if you guys are up for it." Uh, do you guys want to go see? There's been five great whites that have just been hanging out at these this cement beach, the cement uh, boat beach, uh, and I guess they've just been there over the past few months. Great whites, great whites, and, and this is like, you could see them all up close, and everybody's like, "Yeah, let's go Santa check Cruz? them out." Santa Cruz, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's Aptos. It's where this this uh, cement boat beach is, and the trippy part is there's people there, and they're they're swimming, and we're out like maybe uh, I don't know like a hundred something feet out, and and we could see like these like one of them was like ten feet at least just swimming around and thrashing around and trying to get uh, fish. And uh, it was, I was like, my mind was blown. I'm like, do you people not realize what yeah, you're swimming in here with? crazy. Yeah. And, and, it's and, like one of those memes, like, like stupid things white people do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Take yeah. me to the great whites. Hey. Like really? And you've seen that boaties on. Yeah. We're it's just like taunting a, them. It's like a yeah. little fucking platoon yeah. thing with a, with a net dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was nervous. I was like holding my kids extra tight, you know, like, and the, well, the trip, part was and most of them were juvenile i guess they were like teenage year 
they're so they had like the a most lot of growing ones. to do. Aren't those the most aggressive ones? Uh, yeah, I don't it's know. It's that about way that. with snakes. I know that. It's like you're a, a baby snake or a younger snake. Well, all is, I know is teenagers usually aren't very rational. I feel like a yeah. teenage shark would be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> don't have like their thresholds all like figured out. But Dude, that's that's like having that's like you're you're it's like having a bunch of fucking cheeseburgers laying around a bunch of dudes. At some point, a dude's gonna be like, I want to eat that fucking cheeseburger yeah. right there. Yeah, look, look how free I thought you were fat and delicious. I thought you were kidding when you said you actually saw great whites. I just thought it was like you know sometimes like dolphins look like freaking shark underneath the underneath the water like that you oh know? yeah no there was like three tours like three other boats there and we were all kind of like circling around them and trying to get like the best like view of them and, and it was what was creepy about it was you could, i mean it was it was great to see them in their natural habitat you know their beautiful animals all that kind of stuff but what i started to think like man if i'm in the water you see just one thrash of the tail and then boom, just they dart out almost like 50 miles an hour, like so f- incredibly fast. I, I just like couldn't even believe how fast it was just that that, that part like was really alarming. To this me. is why when I go to the beach, I don't go in the water where my feet can't touch. I just don't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I don't I, surf, dude. I mean, I, I I just know. I know what's out there. Yeah, people make fun of me. Like, come on, Sal, go in the yeah. water and fucking swim. Now, <laughs> no. how, how far is that? Is that beach actually from your house? What what beach is that one? That one's uh, it's a little further towards like Watsonville, so you got to go down the coast quite a bit. Um, so it's uh, I mean it like it's, somewhere it's, we are just at, where we are just yeah. That it's not. I mean, it's a couple miles away for okay, sure. Not yeah, that it's far, not though. that far. Yeah, I mean, maybe like 10, 15 miles, something oh, okay. like that. Okay, it's yeah. not far at all. Yeah. What would you, what, I mean, I can't think of a, an animal that'd be more terrifying to be attacked and killed by. I, I, a lion would be terrifying, a bear would be terrifying. But a shark? Because you're in water. Well, yeah. I can't swim very good to begin yeah. with. It's just not our natural environment. That's where they just reign. You know, they're, they're built for that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what are we even doing? And at least like a lion or a bear, you f- you're on land, so you feel like you have a chance. You're not going to drown yeah. and get eaten. Uh, yeah, a shark <laughs> bites you. Yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. 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 Fuck that. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of crazy to just see that that's like right in my backyard. Oh, you know? yeah. Now J- Doug's bringing up pictures of great whites just to make us feel better. Oh, my God. Most yeah. of those are all fake. All those ones you see yeah. online where there's like, like a sh- remember the one that went viral the the shark then the, the 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 surfer that was surfing and then there was like a shadow of the shark like in the now, right, right next to them yeah. now the reality is uh logically if you look at the the data it's extremely rare to be attacked uh by a shark right but do you know what animal is not rare to be attacked by hmm. a hippo do you guys know that a oh, hippo yeah. is you the don't, most. You don't want to mess with them. It's the most dangerous animal in Africa and one of the most dangerous animals in the world. Period. There's a video on YouTube of this like tour boat in Africa, and there was a hippo that was like far as fuck away. Fucker dives down, and then you see a wake, and it starts chasing the fucking boat, and it leaps out and oh, almost, my God. almost grabs the boat, and the dude's like hitting the gas trying to get away. <laughs> really? Yes. Hippos wow. are fucking well. I guess they're terrible. related to to pigs uh, on some level. I guess like wild, like a wild like pig. Like they're they're a descendant of pig on some some levels. So when they I have that aggressive side to them. Well, when I went to Rome, um, uh, I went to go see the Colosseum, and they have the guides that talk about the Colosseum or whatever. And one of the things I found that was fascinating was what they do in the Colosseum is they'll uh, they they'll do animal battles. So remember the Roman Empire spanned. Yeah. Massive uh, swath. There it is. Look, look at that. See how see how high it jumped out. Watch. Oh look, it goes down, and then you see the wake, and it's coming. <laughs> Where is it? It you, it's coming for them. Watch this. Watch this. Oh my god. Watch this it's shit. Like watch. A, it's like a s- torpedo coming up. 
No, no, watch. Oh, look at that uh, shit. <laughs> look where the boat is. Look, look. That would have fucked everybody up. Yeah. So anyway, this guide is telling us that um, Yikes. about the animal battles and w- because with the Roman Empire, you know, it spanned this massive uh, amounts of land, and they would capture bears from you know Eastern Europe. They capture lions and giraffes and uh, I mean every animal you can think of. Then they bring them back to the Colosseum and they would have them right. fight. So like a giraffe versus a lion. And they mess with the gladiators too. Or they would have, yeah, animals fight humans and they'd do all kinds of weird shit. But they found, they had records of these animal battles. And you want to know which animal was the most winning, the one animal that would almost win every match? Mm. It was the hippo. The hippo would kill a lion, would kill a bear, crocodiles. I didn't know I didn't know this. So when they told us this, I'm like, oh, either a lion or a bear. And he's like, no, the hippo would fuck all that shit. That's so, yeah, that's so bizarre. Yeah, like, I dude. mean I mean, how much do they weigh? They're like like in the thousands of pounds. They're right? huge. Their hide is so thick. Like you could watch lion attacks on hippos and the lions will ju- like several lions will jump on a hippo's back yeah. and chew on them and not the hip- get anywhere. Nowhere. And then the hippo, its mouth can get so big that it'll if it catches a lion in its mouth, which I've seen videos where it catches a lion in its mouth and crushes the skull wow. of a lion. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I wonder so how hippo taste. Don't fuck with the hippos. Hippos are fast too. Fast as hell. So I guess oh there's a there's a weight, thirty two to four thousand pounds. That's a big, <laughs> big ant. They look so That's cute a though. Semi truck coming at you. Yeah, they're so adorable though. They don't look uh. like they could do anything to you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Dude, uh, another uh, crazy study. So apparently there's this fungus um, that this fungal Among infection us. that is making its way through the U.S. that is extremely hard to treat and kills fifty percent of the people it infects. It's what? a it's yeah it's called Candida. I can't I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Auris A U R I S, and it's it happens a lot in um, in like these uh, old people homes and in hospitals. So people who are you know compromised immune system. But if you uh-huh. get it. Uh, you're fifty percent. You're gonna die. How are people getting it? They're getting it through contact. Um, so one hospital, and it's fucking hard to kill. So I read this uh, this story about how this one hospital got you know people. Uh, someone got infected, and so in order to completely get rid of it, they went in there with bi- like fucking bio hazmats and shit like that. Yeah, they had to bleach and scrub the room several times to get rid of every single trace. Because it wasn't like it cleaned it once, hardcore, went back in, up, oh, still here. Right. Yeah. And it's making its way through the US right where now. Where did you say it's coming from? Uh I don't know where it originated, but oh. I know right now it's kind of making its way through. Cool. Yeah. I love new uh crazy bacteria and viruses. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's make it interesting. Shit right? that we can't treat, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the shit that terrifies me because yeah. that's always a threat yeah. forever. Well, I mean, at some point we're going to have to deal with the fact that we're creating uh, antibiotic resistant or immune uh, bacteria because that's happening. Yeah. You know, imagine the, the bacteria going after those nanobots, you know, like men were really fucked. Get the, we're, we're training the bacteria to get stronger. Ah! The war of the future. Yeah. You know, just spray the world with nanobots. That's it, man. Well, in other news, did you guys see what uh, Nike is doing right now in the golf world? No. I think this is cool. So Nike is uh, tapping into, well, I mean, they've been in the, the golf world for some time, but streetwear is like one of the, the most popular, uh, you know, industries in the last decade as far as like clothing and stuff. And they are replicating some of the like most popular like sneaker looks 
that are in the streetwear category for uh, for golf shoes. They look bad. I posted one in my story today, so if you're listening to this, you probably saw. Now it these story. are these. Do they have the? Are they cleats? Do they have spikes? Yeah. So they have the little. So they look just. They look like sneakers that you see me wearing all the time, but then they have like the little cleats on them. Mm. And so there's like there's definitely it's going to be interesting to see if this is something that. Uh, does take off, or it's something that because they're, they're getting pushback, of course. Because it's <laughs> what's a, the pushback? Well, the pushback is it's an it's a traditional white people. Yes, yes, oh. it's a traditional old man sport, and then all of a sudden we wear shoes like this. Right, then streetwear comes right, into Nike. I mean, comes into golf. It's a little bit different. People are dumb because if I was in golf and I wanted golf to expand and grow, that's one of the best things that could happen. Is you could kind of make it cool. For people to try to golf. Yeah, but a lot of times people that are in golf don't want it to expand and grow. If you're in golf, you want your courses to be you know, less populated. If you're already good at it, you want less competition, so you yeah. win more. So there's not a lot of people that are rooting for golf That's to grow. True. And <laughs> it is like old man friendly. Yeah. You know, like you could still play for a long time, you know. What's the, the allure of it? Is it that you, because I've, I've never played golf, but I imagine, and I know that it takes hours to play. What's well, the, is the allure that you're just there with your buddies drinking? It's and- a leisurely kind of game. It's it's just fun because, uh, I mean, it's really f- challenging. It's one of the most difficult, like, highly skilled sports in terms of, like, the, the learning curve for it. And also, I mean, you just – you never know if, like, you're going to have everything lined up the way you want it to. Like, every every single swing could be different. You well, know? It's, it's, it's one of the few sports you could probably play till you're 80-something years old. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. Oh, that's true. It doesn't put a lot of wear and tear on your joints like a lot of other sp- sports do. So the ability to play into your 80s, if you wanted to, or even potentially older, I think that's one of the allures to it. And then the, I think it attracts a lot of businessmen and women too. So you have, you know, how cool is that? Instead of just going and sitting and having coffee or a dinner meeting where you, you're spending, you're talking business. Yeah, you're too. out walking around. Yeah, on you're, the out, course you're out walking around on a course, and, and it gives you out. It gives you a few hours. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. No, it takes to to hit 18 holes, man. That that takes a while. It takes at least three hours. Well, that Dude, makes it's sense. fun to play. It's just not fun to watch. You know, you don't want to watch it on TV. That's, you know. That's Boring. What makes me laugh about the uh, about golf is that uh, presidents, um, so Donald Trump, Obama, Bush, um, and I'm sure the previous presidents, they tend to get um, ridiculed by the opposing side for playing lots of golf. Um, but I, 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 from my understanding, it seems like it's a great way, an un- non-formal way, mm-hmm. to meet and have conversations with important people. Well, I heard I heard somebody talk about like one of the things. I don't know if maybe Adam even brought this up, but uh, like something like a lot of business people do when they're out on the golf course is to see how they play, like see if they cheat. Like that's a big mm-hmm. thing, like because you can tell what kind of integrity they have, and oh, like that's interesting. a lot of business decisions have been made because they've seen that, like, oh, they didn't take that, you know, that that extra stroke. They actually, like, you know, they cheated it, cheated, or yeah. they threw their ball out, or you know, little things, and they're they're watching, you know, to see like their tendencies with that. Yeah, so. if they play, if I went with people to golf, what they would learn from me is you'd be like, wow, this guy's terrible. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of privacy yeah. too, which is nice. Like you, you, it's it's set up to where. Where, you know, there's a gap between everybody who's playing. You you never have somebody. I mean, rarely ever do you have somebody who's riding a ride up behind you. So you kind of have this 
this freedom to talk where you're not worried about somebody eavesdropping mm-hmm. on you 10 feet away at a restaurant or something like that. So it's a good place to do business and talk private things like that. I think it's a, I think those are the things that are most alluring about it. It also and, seems yeah. like a great way to get away from uh, the wife uh, because think about <laughs> it. Well, no, think about it. It's, it's like, it's one thing that takes hours. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's, I think another reason why guys like to fish because they're like, Henny, yeah. uh, you know, Sunday, back eventually. Yeah, Sunday yeah. I'm going to be gone. Right. All day, yeah. you know. So, you know yeah, what I'm gotta, gotta have an excuse. Yeah, because otherwise, if you say something like, you know, what are you gonna say? I'm good. Oh, I'm gonna go get lunch. You know, that's like yeah. a couple hours. You know, or I'm gonna go get. Uh, I'm gonna go to the bar. Yeah, that's, for, or I'm gonna go to the movies. You know, that's like a few hours. Now, are either one of you guys? Hours. Are either one of you guys' dads big golfers or fishers? Either one of them? No, not at no, all. My dad's terrible. I mean, we try. Like, I'll go with my brother and my dad, and it's it's ugly. Like, yeah. I just it's embarrassing. No, no, my dad was was judo, so he would be like, oh, I'm gonna go do judo right now, but that's not five hours worth. You know what I mean? When you yeah. get when we did that face app yesterday, did you guys look just like your dads or what? Bro. Yeah, kind of, m- yes. mainly my grandpa. I think, Sal dude. for sure, yeah. You yeah. want to know what was funny, dude? I so like George W. I posted, you guys saw the last one that I posted on my story, the one where I'm wearing like my black, you know, button down or whatever, <laughs> yeah. looking at the camera. So I posted that because I thought that it looked that app does a good job. It makes it look really, really good. Really job. Yeah, it's, it's it's cool. Bro, Dude, it sucked me. It sucked me in yesterday. I went through like all my photos. <laughs> yeah, doing I wonder what it looked my, like with this one. All my yeah. friends and sending them to everybody. It was hilarious. Well, I posted it, and I actually this is the funny thing. Now I got like I don't know fifteen flirty texts back from looking old. Yeah, <laughs> I literally got people like people oh, flirting man. back, like sending me like heart and hot and oh my god, I you know whatever. I'm like, are you kidding me? You get that <laughs> that, that that gray wisdom. Yeah, either thing. they're either they're just as they would say in England, taking the piss, or yeah, or I gotta you know I'm gonna be awesome when I'm older. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean it's great for my ego. You'd be right? the king of the retirement home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, did you know? Because I always I trained a lot of uh, especially, oh, especially STDs for, are rampant there. They are. Yes. And really? They yes. don't wear they don't wear condoms, bro. Dude, come on, you're old. Like, who cares? What? <laughs> They're not going to get pregnant, <laughs> and in their generation, the only people wore condoms in, in their generation was uh, were sailors. Like nobody wore condoms or whatever. But anyway, it's a random fact. Dirty sailors. It, no, I've read about. You know why I read about this? So I used to train, uh, especially towards the end of my career, a lot of people uh, in advanced age, and most of them were women, and a lot of them lived in these like these homes or whatever. Right, and believe right. it or not, some of these homes are amazing. Like some of these places are like they're very expensive, but they get taken care of real nice or whatever. And if you're an old man, if you're over the age of like 75 and you're a man in one of these old, in these, one of these homes, you're stud number one, mainly because there's not a lot of guys because men typically don't live as long as women. And so if for every like 10 women, there's like one man. So they would tell me these women that I would train that lived in these homes would tell me like, oh, that's. Yeah, Tony. He's the he. You know, every other every other month he's dating a different woman or whatever. I'm yeah. like, well, why does he get away with that? And they're like, he's only like one of five guys. He's the, the Charlie Sheen of this. Place. Isn't there a comedy they made after that that with uh, like Danny Glover and somebody else? Who was that? Uh, that I don't know. And uh, what's the guy from Fugitive? I can't think of his name. Uh, well, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, I think, and or maybe not Danny Glover. Maybe with someone else. It's uh, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman and that Tommy Lee sense. Jones. They did like a retirement home thing like that. Dude, they get freaky in there. Bro. Yeah, look that up. That that makes sense. One of my one of my clients. She was eighty three, and she went out on a date. I used to love the stories that these people. That was one of the reasons why I love training them. The stories are the greatest. Eighty three years old. She date. She was on dating apps to try and find whatever. She found a man who was seventy five or something like that because, like she said, very hard to find a man over the age of eighty. Whatever. That's alive and healthy or whatever. So 
she goes out with this guy and she says, she goes, yeah, on the first date, she goes, you know, I was over his house and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I told him I'd like to take a bath with him. She's like, was I being too forward? I'm like, God damn lady, take a bath. it's your first time. <laughs> it's your first date. She's like, I don't got no time to, to waste. Oh, oh my God. Scrub my back. <laughs> How funny is that? <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. Anyway, speaking of my dad, so I think I might have uh, convinced uh, my dad to go the grass-fed beef route. Um, well, how'd with, you do this? Well, right. so I invited them over for dinner, and I grilled up the uh, butcher box uh, ribeye. And so as we're eating it, uh, you know, my dad's like, oh, this is really good. And I'm like, it's grass-fed. And the reason why this is a big deal is I've been having this debate with my dad because he's – my dad loves uh, meat, like loves meat, especially uh, red meat, steak, and you know, like steak and lamb. And I've been telling him to try and eat grass-fed because of the better fatty acid profile and that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "No, I don't like the taste." He goes, "I tried, I tried it. I don't like the taste. I like the taste of of the grain-fed stuff." So I I didn't tell him, and we ate it. And after we were done, I'm like, "Well, that was grass-fed." So now, and the, because of the ah, price, sneaky, I might have convinced them to do the the. You know the monthly renewal or whatever. What are they doing this month? They're doing the burger thing, right? Mm. I love that every month they have something different that they're always promoting. Where it's like six patties. Yeah, they're adding to each order. Is it really? Doug's got to bring it up. Let me see. It's uh, yeah, you're right. Six burger patties for free in every box. So I actually haven't had the burger patties yet. Oh, they're great. Oh, they're good. We've, oh, yeah. yes, yeah. Uh-huh. Me and the kids. Do love they hold those. pretty good together? Because sometimes it's what happens with grass fed. They don't tend to hold together really well when you cook them on the grill. I, I'm I've been okay with it. Yeah, I don't know. What have you well, found? Well, I spray the grill to make sure it doesn't have that stick. But yeah, it's once I figured that out, it's been fine. Yeah, because I've had them disintegrate sometimes. Now, yeah. can't you add like a egg yolk or something yeah. like that to it oh, to yeah, make you it can do that. stickier yeah. or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So or it, so and sometimes I think Jessica adds. Um, a little bit of Crumbs. coconut flour or something oh, like that yeah. uh-huh. to make it more sticky. Butcher Box is blowing up, dude. I see them everywhere now. Oh, yeah. they're they're destroying it. Yeah, dude, Absolutely I need good. them for my parents, man. They they keep buying from like a Walmart. I guess Walmart has groceries. I was like, what? Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, but they, Bro, but they, they have like meat there, and I'm like. Uh, it, there's a definite difference. You know, the, Walmart's like, a leader uh, in like organic, bro. Number one selling of organic yeah. foods. Yeah, that's how big they're. they're Shit, g- organic. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Whatever you want to slap on well, their organic, dude. D- you know, say what you will, but Walmart is uh, a brilliant. Uh, company. They've done they've done some shit that's a little fucked up, but they've also done stuff that has brought prices of stuff oh, way down. Oh, they're great for everybody. I'm just saying, I'm not going to get my meat from Walmart, dude. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> You're not going to fucking convince me. Great. You just crushed our chances at a potential Walmart sponsorship. <laughs> oh, man. That's a big company. Way, to go, way to go, Justin. Oh, man. Yeah. Ruined it. Anyway, so you want to hear something a little frightening? What? Okay, so I read this article um, on free will. Okay, so free will is the, you know, obviously, we believe that we control our destiny, that we are in control of our decisions. Okay, so check this out. Mm. This was published, uh, this is in Quartz, uh, which is an online publication for science. Um, this was March 9th, 2019. Neuroscientists are able to predict accurately, very accurately, what uh, the decision a person is going to make 11 seconds before they're aware of the own decision they're going to make. 11? That's a long time. A fucking long time. So they're they're hooking these people up to- That's a pretty arrogant statement. So they hook people up to these fMRI machines, and then they're giving them uh, choices, and they're giving them 20 seconds, maximum of 20 seconds to choose. And once they've made a decision, they press a button, and then they visualize the pattern of whatever they chose as hard as they could. Yeah, but they're within their system. 
sure, okay, sure. Yeah. But the person, uh, they are able, through testing, they're able to predict accurately what the person is going to choose before the person is aware themselves mm. of what they're going to choose. Well, I mean, that's I, trippy. I just, I know like magicianry, like it, it's all about, <laughs> dude, let's, it, let's it, hear this. Listen. <laughs> It's all Listen, about Linda. It, yeah, it, they they set you up to to be able to like you know corner you in a certain direction. So it's like you know they they take the odds and they they make it in their favor. Well, yeah, and is it an alternate? Is it just like a multiple choice? There's like two things because I I could see that's what, what I'm saying. Right, if there's only two choices, you got yeah. 20 seconds. They can see which. They could probably the predictability see predictability like value of it like diminishes. No, they control for all that stuff. All this right. is also not the first. I don't of, know, Justin. I'm with you. I'm, I, just, I'm just. I'm, I'm playing like skeptical. This is a flawed study. Over Hold here. on a second. Now, this is not the first study of its kind. Buzz they've done. Feed. They've done many, many, many of these kinds of studies. I've read about this in the past. And what ends up happening is they'll show you two images you know you have to pick from mm. and by picking up certain brainwave activities uh, or, or, or markers or whatever, they'll know what you're going to pick before you know what you're, or at least you're conscious of what you're going to pick. And so what they've seen a pattern in brainwaves that like gives not them just, away? Just brain activity. Well, because what happens when you give me a choice, you know, subconsciously my brain is trying to figure out what choice and so it's going back and forth playing out the scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so here's here comes... So, so it sees that. Right, but here comes the crazy part now. Okay, let's hear it. Is free will an illusion? Do we do we think do we trick ourselves into thinking this we is like choice an age old debate or does our unconscious make decisions for us like yeah. does our unconscious make decisions for us and then later on we're like of course I chose that but yeah. no your 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 unconscious chose it it's like your your oh process- yeah well I mean I remember that they've already shown that like in order to be able to process everything you already have to have a predictive element to everything so it's like you know even just putting one step forward, you've already made that decision a long time ago. It's Dude, like, that, that does trip me out it's, for sure. It's fucking weird, bro. Yeah. It's really fucking so weird. So they're tapping into that whole process. Yeah. So they, I mean, uh, similar techniques and studies have been able to predict motor decisions between seven and 10 seconds before people are conscious. Uh, abstract decisions up to four seconds. So it's really, it's really wild. And it brings up that age old, like, are we in control of our destiny are we autonomous yeah. or are we is there an illusion that we're in control and for, so imagine this for example let's give you an example this is not what i think is happening but this might illustrate it it would be like a video game that's artificially intelligent and i'm controlling the controllers but i've programmed the game to think that he's making those decisions mm-hmm. so he's doing what i want him to do but the whole time he's like this is what i want to do yeah. this is totally what i want to do what if it's like that that's fucked up yeah I don't know. This yeah, is a simulation sober theory. Thought too. Yeah. 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 Think about it tonight when you when you hit your joint. I will. <laughs> by MAPS Anabolic. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, MAPS Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpromedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. First question is from Architechnology. Is it possible to naturally maintain single-digit body fat year-round without tanking your metabolism and throwing your hormones out of whack? Sure. Absolutely. It all depends on how Hmm. you're maintaining this single-digit body fat. Uh, I'll give you two two scenarios. Uh, Scenario one, 
somebody uh, lives a very healthy life, uh, eats um, an appropriate amount of calories to maintain single-digit body fat, works out uh, consistently. But all of this is done in a way that is healthy in the sense of not the not just the diet and the workouts are healthy, but in the mental aspect. Yeah. Like That's just where they're at. They enjoy it. It's not a crazy obsession. It's not body obsessed. It's not body image issues. It's not a bad relationship. You're with not food. working against your body. You're working with it. Yeah, they're just. This is just how they live, and they like to live this way, and they feel great, and they have good relationships with their friends and family, and it's not stressful. Then yes, this is you're perfectly fine. For the other scenario is someone who's body obsessed, who counts every little thing and stresses over it, can't have good relationships with friends beats their body up, starves their body, takes uh, substances that aren't good for them, well, that'll not be good for you. And then the third thing I'd say is this is for men uh, is possible doing everything healthy. For uh, women, yeah, probably point. not. Yeah. Probably I mean, not. the three and a half or almost four years, whatever it was, that I was competing, um, I maintained between three to nine percent. Nine percent was my off season and when I uh, was not cutting for a show. Uh, consistently for that in, that entire time, and I was eating a healthy amount of food for sure. That and now I'm probably I probably keep myself between eleven and fourteen percent now, and the difference really is is just the uh, the lack of consistency in training and the flexibility in the diet. I allow myself uh, way more latitude as far as the food choices that I make um, uh, right now than what I was during that time, and my training volume is nowhere near, but. It, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't uh, that hard to maintain that. It was just it took a lot of discipline. That's what it, it takes a lot of discipline and sacrifice. I think that when you're and, and there's always going to be remember too. I were talking about stuff like this. There's always uh, outliers, right? And the the genetic anomaly who can actually eat whatever the fuck they want and they maintain that and they've got just incredible genetics. Um, but you absolutely can can maintain that. But it, I, I also think to maintain single-digit body fat uh, year-round for a male, because that's what we're talking about right now, because we don't think that's a, a really healthy place for a female to be, uh, it, it's a sacrifice. Whether that's sacrifice of uh, not going and doing a lot of things and making sure that you're training pretty consistently or sacrifice in the sense that you're not uh, indulging a lot on on foods outside of uh, an ideal meal plan for you. Yeah, now here's my here's my my point with all of that cuz it says to maintain year round, right? My point with it is while you're doing it, did you feel like you're sacrificing? Did you feel or did you feel relaxed about it because it's what you wanted to do? Yeah, I felt very relaxed cuz that's I had, my point. Right, cuz yeah. I had a, I had a goal and it was something that was important to me and, and it, was, it wasn't like you were sitting there like fucking oh my god, I'm losing right. this. Yeah, yeah, and I and I still did burgers and sushi and enjoyed things for sure. I just I'm way uh I guess I'm just way more flexible now. I'm not weighing and measuring food. I'm not worrying about oh wow, that's you know, two days in a row where I haven't been hitting macro targets. Like, I'm just not thinking about it because I don't care as much because the difference for me personally, like, yeah, I feel awesome when I'm six to 9% body fat. It's a, it feels cool to be at that, but I also feel as healthy at 11 to 14%. So I just don't look as cool. Like I don't look right, right now. I don't walk in. I, I mean, I've been in a, I've been the guy before who walks in at six three, two hundred thirty pounds, six percent body fat, and just looks impressive, and just walks into a room like that and feels feels the room look at you. 
And then I can be the guy right now where I walk in a room and I just look like an average dude who's just healthy. So, and I'm okay with both feelings for me. So, and what's nice about the guy who walks in the room and just looks like a healthy guy, doesn't look that impressive Mm -hmm. is I've got a lot of flexibility in, in my nutrition and training. I make sure that, you know, I lift about three times a week, a good week right now. I'm lifting four, maybe five, a bad week, two times a week. So my volume of training isn't very high, not tracking food, but I'm, I make good food choices a majority of the time. But if there's something that I want to indulge in and enjoy, I don't really uh, have to say no to it. And there's a big difference between, uh, you know, 9% body fat and 5% body fat. Oh, absolutely. Uh, So that's important to note too. So uh, what I'm talking about when I refer, when I'm saying, you know, if you do everything healthy, both psychologically and of course the way you're applying nutrition and in, in, in training, I mean, if you're trying to maintain 5% body fat as a man, even if you do everything healthy, it's probably not. I would a good say, idea. Sal, you probably keep yourself close to about 9% pretty much um, year, right? I'm like, you know, anywhere between 9 to 11. Yeah. And, and this is just where I sit. I, it's not like I'm focusing. On it, and so for me, that's what I mean. You you maintain that with no tracking and just pretty consistent with, and it's healthy for me because. But I will say this: there are some benefits to sometimes pushing yourself outside of it because one thing you want to consider is this: the single digit body fat looks great, but it's not necessarily healthier than some double digit body fats. So for a man, for example, you can be extremely healthy, uh, you know, and be 15% body fat. Um, you could also be very healthy and be 9% body fat. I mean, if both people are living healthy lives, both people are active, both people have, you know, uh, good relationships with food and exercise, you're not going to find a difference in their health. Uh, they're both pretty damn good. Now they'll look different, but health wise, they're, they're, they're there. They're fine. So wanting to walk around at 9% body fat or 8% body fat, that's more of an aesthetic thing. Or, like it is with me, that's where my body falls when I'm feeling healthy, when I'm you know exercising consistently, which I'm always pretty consistent. My diet's kind of on point. I feel good about it. My body kind of falls there. Some people fall in the, in the teens. And again, for a man, I mean, 15% body fat is perfectly healthy. There's nothing wrong with it. Now, women, it's higher. Uh, for a woman... Um, you're looking at, you know, the mid 15 to 19. Yeah. The mid to high teens. Um, remember a woman's body requires more body fat, uh, than a man's body does. And it's far more sensitive to being lean. Uh, one of the first things that'll happen to a woman, if she gets too lean or stays too lean for too long, lose her period. Yeah. Her body's like, we're not going to be fertile anymore. And a woman's body that decides to not be fertile, um, is not in ideal health. Um, ideal health for both men and women is fertility. So same thing for a man. If a man is not producing enough sperm or healthy sperm, that's a sign that he's not at optimal health. And for a woman, if she's unable to have a baby or get pregnant, that's a sign of, of suboptimal health. And getting too lean and staying too lean for a woman, it just uh, it just there, it tends to do that. There's some things too that I think that you have to point out that because uh, someone like you who I think maintains a good 9 to 11% year-round, relatively easy, there is there's also something to be said about your age and the, how long you've been lifting consistently for that makes that a lot easier. I like it's totally. much easier for me to maintain that 11% body fat today than it was uh, 15 years ago because even though I was younger, more active, and I had a faster metabolism, 
I didn't have as much muscle mass as I have and the ability to build muscle as quick as I do today. So maintaining that now is actually a lot easier than what it was for me, which is weird because most people think it's so much harder as you get older. But for someone who's been lifting weights for a really long time, I find it actually uh, a, a much easier to maintain the, the healthy body fat range than it was when I was younger. 100%. But I think it has less to do with the muscle maturity and whatnot and more to do with the evolving and maturing relationship with exercise that's, that's probably and true. food because when I was younger, I had the fast metabolism. I had the recovery ability that's better than it is now, less aches and pains. I could just go in the gym and go nuts. But the difference was I had bad body image issues and uh, I wouldn't let myself maintain 9% because if I saw my weight drop or I felt like clothes were getting looser, I would jack food up or I felt like I had to have protein every two hours. So I was constantly eating more than I needed, or I took too many protein powder supplements or too many weight gainers. As I've gotten older, I'm just comfortable with my body and I have a much better relationship to food and exercise. And so I fall in that range. I would have never let myself fall in that range in my in my twenties. It just wouldn't have happened. As soon as I the scale went down a fucking half a pound, yeah. I was oh shit, I'm losing muscle. Let me stuff my you know, stuff my face. It would have never worked out. So That's a good point. to be honest, if I was as, if I had a relationship to food and exercise uh, when I was in my twenties, like I have today, who the fuck knows what we could have accomplished? When you think about yeah. the 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 youth and the recovery and whatnot, and the testosterone levels and all that stuff. So, so I mean, that's one of the things too. It's a great point you bring up, Adam, is that as you get older, if you stay at this game long enough, and you and what I mean by stay at it is not just be consistent with your workouts and diet, but actually try to improve at those things, actually right. try to improve your self-awareness, uh, try to improve your relationship to both uh, food and exercise and to your body uh, and to your self-image. If you do that and you consistently work on those things, as you get older, you're going to get better. Uh, you'll get more fit, stronger, and it'll be more effortless. Don't you guys feel like the the, the swings are a lot less? Like I, yes. you know, like mm -hmm. I, my the, when I was younger, it used to be all, all on, all off type of deal. I was completely out of shape, eating complete garbage, and way over consuming and not training. Where now it's like I have this range that I allow myself to go on, and I never really go beyond that. I always and I, so the swings are way tighter than what they used yeah, to. Yeah, I was much more impulsive, yeah. you know, it, it, on both categories, like it, you know, food and on training, to where it was like it was a bit of that punishment mentality too. It's like, oh man, you know, like you're eating like shit now. I got to go do hill sprints, and I got to do all these like things to kind of make up for for you know bad bad habits that I've been you know doing and so for me now it's just it is it's it's that more comfortable feeling of like like I know how to navigate through this and like make better decisions along the way and maybe I'll have like little flare-ups here and there but it's not gonna affect the overall as much as I thought when I was younger dude it's the psyche part like for me if I in the past this is no joke this is 100 percent being very honest here if I missed lunch, it was catastrophic mentally for me. Catastrophic. Oh yeah. fuck! I didn't. Have, I get irritated, pissed off. I need to eat. I need protein. Oh my god! I'm losing muscle. One meal. Now I could fast for three days, see the scale drop because you lose a bunch of water or so whatever. True. Come back and it fucking. I don't even skip a beat. It's yeah. not a big deal. So the cycle, the psychology of it is. And then I know people who are like us, right? Who've been doing it for a long time. Who were the opposite? Whose body image issues had to do with gaining weight. And for them, they had one meal out and it was like fucking a week of punishment on their body. 
to try to make up for it. And now they'll have a meal out and they'll enjoy themselves and just get right back on and it's yeah. not a big deal. That psychological piece is everything. I mean, I know we, we communicate that all the time, but it really is. And that's something you can look forward to as you get older because, yes, your body doesn't recover as fast. Yes, your hormones start to change a little bit here and there. But let me tell you, man, I'll trade all that shit for the psychology all day oh, long. Yeah. It takes that amount of time to really figure yourself out and then become, you know, come to a level where it's predictable. Like I know like this, where this is going to take me versus like, I know getting into it, a lot of times there's lots of uncertainty. And, and so you're going to try a lot of things and going to have, you know, hits and misses. So, mm -hmm. you know, just give it time. Next question is from more Jojo. The landmine seems to be a versatile piece of equipment. What exercises would you include to design a full body workout with the landmine? Didn't oh, yeah. didn't Danny do like a a good uh, he did he a, did a lot of exercises with it yeah, yeah. he did a, a great little series of YouTube videos uh, around the landmine I don't know if we titled it like a full body workout with landmine but absolutely you could oh I, Justin you have a lot of experience with a I remember when we wrote yeah. uh, maps performance performance yeah yeah we've done I've worked with the landmine I like it a lot uh, in terms of functional type movements and also adding rotation it's probably one of the best tools out there besides like having a medicine ball and you know doing explosive throws and things like that uh, where you could really you know work in the transverse plane it's always top of mind for me these things like especially when programming a lot of times like even if it's a shoulder press like where can i add little elements of rotation uh to make sure that we're building around uh you know well-rounded body mm. and uh, the, the landmine is great for that there's just so many rotational moves you can do with it and also uh you know position yourself uh to where you you really experience every plane of movement yeah that's one of the number one benefits to training with a landmine is the ability to rotate into different directions mm -hmm. and then the resistance uh, I don't know what's the right word. The, the resistance curve of a landmine is what's interesting in the sense that let's say I'm doing a one-arm uh, lunge to press. This is a very common exercise uh, with, a, with a landmine. So I got the, I got the top of the, the, the barbell. You're sort in my of racking it there in your chest and shoulder. Yeah, and I do a back step lunge. Then I step forward and press it up. So it's an explosive movement. Because the barbell is attached at one point, the resistance is heaviest at the bottom. Mm -hmm. of the movement. As I press it up, now it starts to balance on its end mm -hmm. and there's less resistance. Now this different resistance curve is excellent to add to a routine where your resistance curve may be stuck to what, what free barbells can do mm -hmm. or to what machines can do. One of the best, uh, you know, we talk all the time about changing angles of, uh, you know, uh, with your, with your barbell and dumbbell movements and using machines. One of the main reasons why there's benefits to doing different exercises is that the resistance curve is different. That's really the, one of the main things. So if I use, uh, for example, a cable to do that overhead press, the resistance is going to be the same from bottom to top. Um, if I use bands, I'll make the top harder than the bottom. When I use a landmine, the bottom is harder than the top. So when you're doing shoulder presses and leg exercises and whatever, you're getting a different resistance profile than maybe you're used to. And that difference is straining and stressing the muscle in a way that's novel and that'll promote more adaptations. So if you're, let's say, for example, if you're always doing, uh, you know, go, uh, what are they called? Um, uh, the, the, the squat, goblet, goblet squats. Squat. If you're always doing goblet squats with a, a dumbbell, try doing them with a, with a, with a landmine, landmine. And, and you'll feel that at the bottom it's harder than at the top. And if you just so happen to be 
weakest at the bottom, like most people, then you're going to add more resistance to the bottom and you'll be training that, that, that part that is always trained a little bit easier and you'll watch your body start to change. So Danny did do a, I mean, he's, he's, if you guys go to our YouTube channel, he's got a ton of landmine exercises for the entire body. I would say probably the most challenging muscle to get a really good workout from the landmine would probably be my chest. I mean, you're getting a little bit of that right. when you do like the reverse lunge to a press. You're going to get some of your upper chest incorporated in that, it, although it's still more shoulder. Yeah, or like a push press, but yeah, it's not not significant. Yeah, I would I would say everything else though. I mean, I can think of some great back. I can think of great hamstring, great quad. I can think of obviously core, mm -hmm. um, shoulder. I mean, maybe calves and chest are probably the the two weaker groups that would be challenging. And it's not that it's not possible. It's absolutely possible. Uh, but I think the I think all the other muscle groups well, I can think of incredible exercises to do with the landmine. I love I, I geek out with it when, when I'm trying to kind of incorporate like a full body movement where I'm all the way, you know, I'm facing like sideways. Complexes. Yeah, complexes where I'm taking it from a row and then I'm pivoting my feet and rotating and then transferring it to the other hand to then press. It's just it's about coordination. It's about uh, you know getting everything in sequence to to fire the way that you're wanting it to. And so it's mm -hmm. like it's more of just like getting your body to perform. Uh, you know, a skill with that that particular piece of equipment uh, appropriately. You know who I like landmines for a lot. Athletes, I love exactly. It's a great functional piece of equipment. Oh, it's phenomenal for it. most of the exercises are done um, standing. I'll say this: if you have a home gym, uh, like a decent home gym with a squat rack, barbell, dumbbells, and adjustable bench, and you want to add one more piece of equipment, I can't think of anything that would be better than a landmine that would as versatile. Versatile takes up almost no space because if you, you can get the landmine attachment that you you plug into like plates on the floor. Yeah. So it takes up no space and you already have a barbell. You plug in your barbell into the landmine and you've got all kinds of angles and different exercises that you could do. Justin, did you get one with your PRX yet or no? I do. do. I have one. Oh, you do have but one. Yeah, it's a little attachment that I can attach right to the squat rack. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I just shove, yeah, yeah, put my, my barbell in there, and then uh, I, I use it uh, pretty frequently, mainly to add in, again, like I said, like I'll do, if I do too many uh, exercises where, you know, I'm just sticking with that one plane of motion, like I'm like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. how can I, I'll either grab a mace bell or I'll do a landmine. Now, for bodybuilding and hypertrophy purposes, there's a couple exercises that the landmine is phenomenal for. One of them is, of course, your T-bar row. That's a classic back exercise, um, and it's like the old school T-bar, old school T-bar row without a chest uh, support. The other one is a one-arm row for the rear delt. And the reason why it's so phenomenal, this is for bodybuilding now. The reason why it's so phenomenal for the rear delt is because the the way that the bar travels, it encourages your elbow to come out and your hand to come out. So normally, when you're doing a row, you kind of keep the elbow in and you squeeze the lat. Well, with this. Because the barbell starts more towards the center of your body, and then as you pull out, it moves out. It's like it'll it'll blast your rear delts almost like no other. Actually, one of the best isolation type movements. It's not purely isolation, but it's close to one of the best uh, isolation type movements I've ever used. For. I love doing a, a single leg deadlift with those. Oh yeah, mm. that's such because it helps kind of counterbalance. So mm -hmm. doing a single leg deadlift with a a normal barbell is really challenging. Like most people don't. So you stand facing it. No, you stand. It's right along your side. So Sideways, if it's, yeah, yeah. So it's mm -hmm. my if it's my right leg that I'm going to do the single leg deadlift. I'm I'm reaching down and I'm grabbing the bar right there. So it helps create a little bit of stability because I'm using the bar to kind of help stabilize me. But then I can isolate one leg, 
and do it, and you can load it pretty well. So that's a great. I've never done that. Yeah. Oh. I'll do caustic squats with it. It's, I mean, it's a very versatile tool. Yeah, no. and they're cheap. Yeah. They're, they're inexpensive for right. those attachments. Next question is from I am Dallas J. What is the best way for a hard gainer to not only break plateaus but also gain lean mass? Oh, the old hard gainer. Mm. You know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, there's three things that you need to look if you're somebody that's like, I'm just not pack. I'm not putting any size or muscle on, and my strength is just plateaued. Look to these three places. Don't look anywhere else. Number and these are the, just because these are the most impactful and then the most common reasons why people have issues gaining muscle. Number one. You're, look at your calories. You may not be. You're not eating enough. Um, and if you think you are, uh, you're not. That's the reason why. You're, it's like someone. Someone says, "Hey, I'm, I'm eating really good, but I'm not losing weight." And I say, "Well, you're, you're eating too many calories." Well, no, I'm not. Well, yeah, you are because otherwise you would lose weight. So, number one, you're not eating em- enough. Number two, your workout programming may not be sending the right signal to build muscle. You may be overdoing it, or you may be just training in a way that you've been training for so long that your body just stopped responding. And then number three, you're not getting enough quality sleep. If it's 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 99% of the time, it's one of or all of right. those three things. And mm-hmm. every time I've had a client who's come to me who's been a quote-unquote hard gainer, uh, Doug was like this. Doug came to me, and he'd been working out for a very, very long time, and he'd accomplished some some progress. But I remember having conversations and he, you know about being a hard gainer. He's like, well, I don't necessarily – build muscle and strength like most people. And he had the impression that he was hard gainer. The reality was his workout programming was wrong because he had the diet. And at the time he had the sleep, switched his workout programming. And here's this guy now at 48 years old, who all of a sudden is deadlifting over 400 pounds and putting on, I don't remember how, 10, 15 pounds of muscle on his body. And he realized that, and the reality is if you see Doug, you realize he's the opposite of a hard gainer. He's actually got good genetics. He just had bad workout programming. Those are the three ways. Those are the three things. I would say it's it's almost always programming. Not that uh, that sleep isn't important and nutrition too. Of you have to be in a surplus if you're trying to build and you're trying to gain. Uh, especially if you're a young guy who's asking this question, most common I would say too is not getting enough calories. But one of the easiest things to do is to to really change up the training. And when I say that normally to a client, they they assume like, oh, I'm going to change it up. So they change up the exercises. But the, the flow, the the tempo, the the rest periods, the amount of sets they're all doing, so much of that is still the same that it's not far enough different from the modality that they were already training in. So learning to really program better, I think, makes a huge difference. And I mean, obviously, we did that with maps to make it easy for someone. So if I knew like, okay, you're following this maps program, I could, I'll point you in the direction of a one that's completely opposite or totally different that I know will send a, a completely new signal to your body and you will adapt and change to that. But for me, I, what I found is I, I kind of gravitated towards the similar exercises and I was moving at the similar tempo that I always would move at. And even though I kind I thought I was changing things up because I changed exercises every single workout. I really wasn't changing my programming. I was mm, still kind of yeah. following in about the same amount of volume, the same amount of tempo. All that stuff was the same. 
So addressing the programming to me is the is the first place that I look at for some of this, and then nutrition. Didn't you say you know with Doug's programming, like he was doing like way too much, and like he brought it all the way down to almost like two workouts a week. Well, he did body part splits, so yeah. he'd hit a body part once a week, and I had him do two days a week full body, and then event, and then we moved to three days a week full body. Well, people are, I mean, that's mind blowing for a lot of people because they think more is always better, more mm-hmm. is always better, and to to Good get point. them to go down to like two, that's. That's never even no, a this, thought. This is an incredible point, Justin, because this was actually one of the first plateaus that I ever broke being a, or thinking that I was a hard gainer myself was I was uh, I fell in that category of seven days a week, high intensity. And and that also, not only do, does your body adapt to that eventually, and that makes it hard for you to break through on your programming, it also makes it hard for you to keep up the calories for somebody who's young and trying to eat enough food like I was, where... I just was training so hard and so much that it also made it challenging to get enough calories to grow, and then I, and then my body was adapted. One of the best things I ever did was reducing the amount of training days that I was doing and going to more like a full body routine. So I increased my frequency, reduced the amount of calories I was actually burning total in a week because I wasn't training this high intensity workout every single day, and my body responded and grew. Yeah. Well, I my theory is this, and I'm taught now. This is to true hard gainers. Okay. My theory is that when you compare someone who has a harder time building muscle versus someone who has an easy time building muscle, that one of the biggest differences you'll find between them is how how long the muscle building signal stays elevated after a workout. So people who uh, build muscle really easily will work their chest on a Monday, and that positive muscle protein you know synthesis signal, that build muscle signal, still stays elevated for four or five days, you know, they're just building muscle on their chest, you know, little by little, but it's elevated for four or five days. Hard gainers, I would surmise, um, that signal stays elevated for one or two days and then it goes down. And because they don't train their chest again for an entire week, it'll elevate above baseline for a day or two, then down to baseline, but then they haven't trained it again for another, you know, four days or whatever. And then it goes below baseline. So they end up right where they were before every time they work out. So my experience with pure hard gainers is train whole body two to three days a week. Send the muscle building signal to the whole body two or three days a week, and you'll start to see muscle come on because you'll keep sending that signal. Now, all you got to do is take your total volume of the week and just divide it by those workouts. So if you're somebody that does you know, 21 sets for your chest on Monday, do seven sets three days a week. Most studies show that it's anywhere between three to six sets uh, per workout if you do three days a week seems to be ideal for most people. The other thing is this, a lot of hard gainers don't do the right exercises. You know, it's like yeah, if I meet someone true. who's like, I'm mm. a hard gainer, I'm like, okay. Doing how- all the hammer strength yeah, machine yeah, shit yeah, all day yeah. long. How often do you squat? How often do you deadlift? How often do you overhead press? And it's like, oh, uh, you know, I squat every once in a while, but I mostly do, you do know. Do the pec deck a like, lot. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. Like that was the other thing I did with Doug. We got really fucking good at deadlifts, Bench presses, overhead presses, rows. Like the we fab got, five. we got really good at the basic exercises, and the guy was packing on muscle um, like crazy. And this is just—it's a formula that just fucking works. So, in my experience: if you're a hard gainer, you're probably better off training your whole body two to three days a week, focusing on those big gross motor movements, trying to get stronger. Keep it basic. Keep it simple. If you're getting stronger, you're going in the right direction, and uh, get stronger enough uh, with enough consistency, and you'll watch the muscle, uh, you know, pile on your body. And of course, you got to feed yourself appropriately and sleep. Maps anabolic. 
Next question is from JMB Fitness 18. We've heard a few of your highest moments as trainers and how you've impacted so many people. Could you share some of your lowest moments? Maybe one that almost had you walk away from the industry altogether. Oh yeah. Whoa. I've wow. got I've got it going dark. I've got a couple for me. Well, I have a I have a low moment that doesn't involve um, like training a client, but it, it, it does involve a low moment in the industry and made me and almost made me walk well, almost got me fired uh, from my job. I was this was in two thousand This is when you had the naked pool day at the gym? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a good idea. Yeah. This yeah. was when we I were all in. I was I was I was about twenty five ish and something that I used to do for my staff. So this time I'm I'm running Hillsdale. I've got about fifteen fifteen to twenty trainers that are working for me. And it was kind of like this traditional thing that I would do at I had my house, so I'd got my house by the time I was twenty two. And it was like a thing where I would bring my staff over and we would barbecue and we would watch the Mike Tyson fights and we would totally dating myself there. Right. Uh, we would watch these, you know, <laughs> we'd watch the moon landing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'd watch, we'd watch, you know, boxing or uh, UFC fight. and, and it was just like this traditional thing that I always did. And I'd been doing it already for several years. And I had a, a new trainer who had just recently been working for me who was there. And I also had a front desk girl. And uh, what had happened was later that night, and it was on my property. It wasn't in my house, but it was actually on my property. Uh, the new trainer of mine uh, tried to force himself on the front desk girl. And she filed a report to HR the next day. And I didn't even know about it until uh, it all unfolded. And I was, uh, luckily at this time, I was, you know, kicking ass at the club I was at. I was a top performer and uh, was saved by upper management, but HR wanted to terminate me. And they wanted, they- Why, held, be all because you had, why? You had you had people over and had alcohol? The party. Yeah. And yeah. it was funny because it wasn't even like a, like the, the, the irony of that, and of course, you know, probably will never be believed by the people that were looking to fire me this time, but they weren't even really parties. They were barbecues. I think there was a, a fucking 12-pack of beer in the refrigerator with fucking 15-plus people there. It wasn't even enough alcohol. Everybody's over 21. Yeah, yeah. So it, was, it wasn't It was like it was a, 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 a rager or a party, you know, and I had, a, I had a condo, so it wasn't like we were throwing a big party like that at all. It was just a way that... I, I fed I fed all my trainers and and staff that was welcome to come and I, I would pay for the fight. It was just a cool thing that we used to do at my place, and it really and it was something that I thought uh, built uh, a lot of camaraderie amongst my staff. And I agree, I, it's a great idea. Yeah, and I thought it was it was something that was special that I did, and and I was I was a firm believer in in doing that. And they just, not only did they almost terminate me over it, uh, I was sent home. I was on a week uh, a leave of absence while they investigated the whole thing and in and out of HR. And they told me straight up that they wanted to fire me. And if it wasn't for uh, the divisional president and the VP, that um, I would already have been gone. Did they bring you in for the questioning and all that shit? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, man. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it was like straight interrogation, like I was in, in trouble with the law. That's My what, story is so similar mm, to yours, by Right. The way. So, that's what it. That's what this felt like. And I'm only 25, so it just broke me. And I'm in love with my job. I'm in love with my job and, and what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm at what I think is uh, some of the peak of my, my life at that time of, you know, making good money and having my place and having a great team and being respected in my space. And then for that to happen, uh, 
it broke me. And it, and there was some people too in, in upper management that didn't come to my, my, uh, my, get my back. And that really discouraged me because in particular, it was my, my direct boss and my direct boss's boss. Luckily it was the further up management that were like, went back and probably looked at all my performance and said, okay, we can't fucking fire this guy. Uh, let's give him another chance. And so I got a, I ended up getting a, a slap on the wrist, but it was forever in my file. Um, and I was forever known as like the young, irresponsible manager who do, did stupid shit like this. And I could never do those, hold the host those. And it, it tainted me on uh, doing anything with my staff outside uh, of the, the of the professional setting because of an incident like that, that unfortunately I had no real control of other than being responsible for hosting uh, the party and having it. And that uh, was a very low moment for me for the fitness space in general. And I was very, in fact, that was right around the same time. That was kind of the tipping point for me that almost made me leave to go do home loans. And that my, my buddy had already been kind of pressuring me to do that. I'd already bought books uh, to become a mortgage originator. And I was already kind of studying it. It's kind of dabbling with the idea, even though I loved what I was doing. And then that happened. And I was like, I'm doing this. And I was really close to leaving for good. That's an exa- That's a great example mm. of the the fucking shit terrible leadership that started happening at the company right around that time. Like what a what a shit way to handle that type of situation to make you feel the way you did. I had a similar experience. Um and I know what happened. What was her name? She was the she was the one that was in charge of HR. I'd love to just Jill. call oh, was it Karen? Karen. Something. Yeah. It's I'd all, love it's to, always a Karen. I'd love to call Karen, her out. Like she because she was seriously a terrible horrible human being. Now I know why this all happened. You got to keep in mind that uh, you know it was a wild west for a long time. Yeah. At twenty four hour fitness, and we were then, a part of the changing of the. Guard. And then they had the HR department come in, and they said, "You have free reign. Clean it up, right?" And so they just became, uh, what's the word? Um, Hyper vigilant. Yeah. Hyper vigilant for everything. Yeah, and I, people became dispensable. I, yeah. And I have, I had, a, I have a similar story. So I worked for the company. Um, I had two bouts of working with them. The first bout, I was young. I was crazy, whatever. Left, I quit the company, um, kind of in a blaze of glory. That's another story. Came back a second time. The second time I came back, I was older, more mature. I had owned uh, a gym uh, for a little while, and I'm like, I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna be the perfect, you know, model employee. And so they gave me the Hillsdale Club to do a re-grand opening because remember, I had moved locations. They had redone the whole place, so they put me in there uh, to re-grand open it, and I went in there. About I don't know a few days before mid month closeout. Now remember the uh, for people who don't know uh, every two uh, twice every month we would have what's called a closeout where we would end sales and then the goal is to hit you know double or triple or more of your daily average. And a, a mid month closeout was not nearly as big as an end of month closeout. So I'm going in. I'm a few days before, so I really don't have much. That I can change when I go in, aside from the fact that I had a you know I had a big all staff meeting, I'm meeting with the team, and I'm trying to implement my own energy and stuff. But there's not much I can do. And I remember my you know my district manager's like Sal. He goes, if you just hit double the daily uh, you know daily need or whatever, he goes, I'll consider it successful. You've only been here for a few days, so that'll be awesome. And the day the goal for me for that closeout uh, at the time was something like. $12,000. So I think the average at the time that they wanted was something like five or $6,000. They wanted me to do about maybe 10, 12 grand. 
Well, we did $50,000 um, on that mid-month closeout, which was uh, unheard of, right? Nobody had ever done that. Well, I don't know if they'd ever, never, I probably never had done that before, but definitely never did it on a mid-month, not, you know, the, the big closeout uh, type of day, especially because I walk in and I didn't do much other than, again, have meetings, inject my energy, and then go out and on the floor and, and sell training and sell memberships and do that stuff with all my staff or whatever. So we had this huge, huge day. Everybody's like, congratulations. Oh my God, you came back, you crushed or whatever. I'm very, I worked my ass off, you know, to, to make that happen. That day I got in, at, I think it was 5 a.m. I don't think I left till midnight. Um, I get a, a, a call uh, the next day. We need you up here at uh, corporate. So I'm like, huh? This is weird. Remember, I'm, I'm back in the company like five days and I just crushed it. I'm like, okay. I walk into the office and sitting in the office is my vice president, um, my vice president, uh, the president, and the head of HR, who, again, I think is, her name was Karen, can't stand her. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, what's going on? This is weird. So I sit down and I get, I mean, when I say I got grilled, it's like you see in the movies, like with uh, like a FBI interrogation. I'm sitting in the chair, vice president's not saying anything president's not saying anything. They're basically witnesses. And this woman sits across from me in the chair and just grills me. Now, keep in mind, I'm a 21-year-old or a 20-year-old, maybe 20, 21-year-old kid. I am blindsided. I'm totally intimidated. And I have no idea why I'm getting interrogated. And I mean, I understood why later on. It's because they thought that for me, in order for me to hit those numbers, I must have done some crazy shit. I must have lied. I must have rip people off. Like, there's no way somebody could do this and not have done some crazy bad shit. That's what they had. That's the reason why I got questioned. So I thought that I got grilled. <laughs> You're doing too good. Yeah, for like two fucking hours by this fucking lady. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like scared. I'm getting emotional. Like, what's going on? I just got married uh, at this point. So I'm like, oh my God, like, am I going to lose my, I just got back to the company. The whole reason why I moved back to San Jose. I leave and I'm literally like, I'm fucking quitting again. Like this yeah. is this. And at the time, my district manager, a uh, good friend of mine, Dean, uh, one of the best managers I ever worked for, calls me up and he's like, he talked me off the ledge. But I left. That was it. From that point on, I no longer was a diehard employee. I did a good job, did all that stuff. But I knew I'm not going to, at some point, I'm not going to work for these people and I'm going to end up doing my own thing. And that was just all part of that, bro. And they did that a lot. They lost all their talent uh, mm. during that period of time because of that whole, you know, that whole situation. I had a, I had a situation with the sales. Uh, so back then I was also like the top producing fitness manager sales wise. And a lot of the success that I had in my clubs was uh, speed of the leader. Like I was out, I was out riding most of my trainers as a fitness manager. And you typically didn't do that. Like you did that as a trainer then you get promoted. Then you run a club. You're and, supposed to just manage. Yeah, and then you just manage. And I, I like to get in there and sell deals for myself and for trainers. And you know, I always, I always had a lot of success with making sure that they knew I could get out there and still do it myself. And remember too, I'm really young, so you know, it's it's already a challenge when you're the the 22 or 23 year old and everybody's older than you are, and then you're bossing them around. I had to be able to show them that I could I could do earn could, their respect. Yeah, earn their respect by by selling a lot. And so they decide they come in my club one time and I was this was actually the same same facility, just a different timing. And 
I had just finished at like 110 or 113% of goal and the divisional president, my DM, and I forget who the third person who was that came in, but th three upper management big wigs come in my club. And I actually am excited to see them because I think they're coming down to congratulate me and tell me how awesome I am because I just crushed goal, right? And they actually come in and do like this super deep audit on me, like very similar to what you're talking about. It was just like, it was not about to come down and tell me how great I was. It was, let's make sure this guy's not doing shady shit. And they came in and they did this super deep audit. And at the end of the audit, they basically tore me apart for my, my master appointment book not being highlighted. Stupid yeah. shit. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> missing signatures on some of my, my contracts for my clients and initials here and there. Just... A, a lot of the stuff that I wasn't good at. I was I was definitely, uh, I'll be the first to admit that uh, time management and organization were my, my Achilles heel and, and leadership. I was always really good at all the other things, those things I was terrible at. And I never really focused on it because I was I had a lot of success. Well, they come in and they just, they rip me to pieces on all this. And, and my excuse and reason is like, man, I, I'm too busy on my floor meeting members and closing deals and making sure we're hitting goal that you're right. I'm not back in my desk highlighting the book and checking files three times and writing trainers up for not being more, uh, you know, crossing their T's and dotting their I's. So uh, they and the, so at the end of this whole conversation, um, I was really discouraged. And so I had this kind of attitude the next month going forward. I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be me. I'm not going to go out and sell and do any stuff. I'm going to totally not worry about that. But I am going to be the most organized version of me that you've ever seen. I'm going to be all over that shit, but then I'm going to totally not give them the other side of me that I think is the most important side, which is getting out there and selling deals and being out there on the floor of members. And so I did this and uh, we, I think we only had like 97% of goal. We didn't even hit a goal that month. Uh, I only wrote like 500 or a thousand dollars in revenue, which is like unheard of for me to do it was really, really low, but my shit was dialed. Like all my paperwork was perfect. And at that same month, all of a sudden the divisional president decides they're going to roll out a, if you're a fitness manager and you write less than $3,000 a month, you have a mandatory Saturday tr sales training course okay. in Mountain View that you have, or San Ramon, excuse me, that you have to attend. And I fucking came unglued. Like I just, I'd never even, I've never written less than three you grand before. Taught the class. Oh well, that, so this is this is what happens <laughs> is, and I and I this was definitely like a a another pivotal moment or a time where I almost left. I was that upset that I was ready to leave. The other thing had already happened to me. I was already like, it's it, like strike two right here. It was. It was like this is strike two for me. I'm like I'm out. This is it. and I and I refused to go. And I remember my boss calling me like frantic, like you have to go, like it's mandatory, it's it's divisional wide, like everyone this and that. And I said no, I'm not going. Either I'm, I either you can you can go in place of me or have someone go in place of me. I refuse to go or I'm out. I'm done. I'm done with this company. And so he hangs up the phone and he goes back obviously to probably talk to the DP and they were going back and forth. And then he calls me back again. He says, "Listen, Adam, you've you've got to go to the class, but I, I've I've made a deal." Uh, back then it was Butch Cooper was the the divisional president. He's calling everybody out. Fuck yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I would tell him too if I saw him. So he he tell he tells him that uh, you know I'm not uh, I, I don't have to I can, I have to go, but now I can teach the class, and that's the deal I made. And I said no. I said I I, I still refuse to go because you're punishing me for doing exactly what you told me to do the month before when you came in my club. Not to mention that you and I both know 
that I'm not somebody who needs to be at this course when I'm your top producing fitness man. I'm the top producing fitness man in the fucking company at the time. Like I'm not just a division, the company, and you're going to make me sit in a Saturday sales training, listen to some idiot try and teach me. And so bad leadership, man. I refused to go. I never actually had to go. It was a big ordeal. Um, I Dude, didn't... you you know, you and I are so similar in that respect. We're like two <laughs> such rebels. You no, know, two like black sheeps that they, <laughs> that fucking crushed. So they were like at, the, at odds. Like, what do we do yeah. with these? It's, How do we deal with these assholes? It was the beginning of, uh, it's where we love to hate Adam came from. I mean, I'm, I'm my, my boss had said it uh, many times. Clients had said it from training them and stuff like that. So that was the creation of that, that, Dude, my, my my so did you have a last straw was there something that was the last straw where you're like oh that's it for sure at some point i'm out i'm gonna go do my own thing yeah no this this was actually was that for me it was kind of like well i wouldn't say that I, it was the last straw that i was out i'm gonna do my own thing but it was my last you're not ever getting all of me again mm -hmm. and and that's why too sometimes i regret the last four years of my career there because you were done before that. Yeah. Because I was not, even though I was still winning and, and, and hitting goal and making good money and all those things. And I still love doing working in the fitness space and in the gym industry. I enjoyed all that. That's what kept me, but I, I wasn't growing anymore and I wasn't pushing my limits. I wasn't being a better version of myself because I, I wouldn't give them all of me anymore. I mean, I was the guy who you, you didn't even have to ask me. I would work every single day of the week and take no days off to to win, to be to be the best, to be good. And after they had kind of burnt that bridge with me, I stayed and I still worked there, but they got like the the B minus C plus version of me for the next four so years. So similar, dude. My last straw was my district manager, Jeff. I won't say his last name, but everybody knows who he is. Skeleton. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Terrible manager. Couldn't Couldn't close a door. But anyway... He comes into my club and no joke, here I am again, uh, you know, similar story. I'm easily the t one of the top producers, if not the top producer. I'm promoting general managers and fitness managers left and right out of my club. I'm literally training and developing other top producers. And he comes into my club and takes this master appointment book. And because I underlined the things that I was supposed to highlight, so rather than filling in the whole thing with highlighter, which just... Wasted, <laughs> wasted highlighter pens. The company had to keep buying them. It made the pages all wet and stupid. So I'm like, hey, instead of filling in the whole fucking thing so it looks like a rainbow. This is archaic. Yeah, just underline it. Underline it. You know, pink means this, green means this, or whatever. He take he walks back to my office with the master point book, sets it on my desk, and he goes, Why are you insubordinate? I'm like, huh? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, Why aren't you doing what I told you? I'm like, I what do you, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, look at this and tell me what's wrong with it. I'm like nothing. He's like, it's highlighted just like you said. And he goes, no, it's not. You have to fill in the whole thing with the <laughs> highlighter. And he writes me up. Yeah, He actually wrote me up. And I remember sitting there and as he's writing me up, I thought to myself like, that's the last straw. Hmm. I'm now going to make my plans to leave. And I walked out that day and I'm, the VP called me. He's like, hey, come back, please come back. I was like, no problem. I'll come back. But I knew in my mind like, and I was already going that direction to be quite honest. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So yeah. at some point I would have left. But that made it happen uh, much faster because <laughs> uh, that was the last straw. That was it. Yeah, dude. The corporate environment was never for me. I didn't realize that though. And like, it, like you guys, I mean, I've had, you know, my run-ins with you know managers and whatnot. Thankfully, Adam wasn't a dick, so you know it was great working <laughs> for him. Uh, so that was only honestly one of the only reasons why I stayed. Uh, for as long as I did, I didn't want to leave the staff, and I didn't want to like you know go off on my own. But 
I mean, they were just fucking with me and throwing the carrot out there saying, I'm going to manage this club. I'm going to manage that club. I think it was two different clubs, if if I remember, to where it was just like, you know what, you guys, like, for me, it's it's an integrity thing. If you say something, you do it. And so I'm, I'm out. Like, I don't, I don't like even sneeze at that shit. And so I just, I tried to, <laughs> I remember trying to like break it to, to Adam and the staff and everybody. I'm just like, you know, I have to just go. I can't like, uh, just internally, I can't deal with that kind of stuff. I don't have like time for the drama and the bullshit and the back and forth and all that. I just don't do well with that. So I know I can manage myself very well. Like that's something I've always been able to do. And so, but it was, it was hard because then I go to do it on my own and like, I'm broke. Like I was broke for a long period of time trying to figure out all these systems and all these things that were provided to me. And it was so easy and ready to go. And, you know, I was, I was crushing at the time there. And so, uh, you know, I was very disheartened and, you know, being in an environment now where it's like golds, this is bodybuilder heaven, right? <laughs> this is everybody there wants to prep for a show. And that's just not my style of training. I wasn't training people to get ready to get on stage uh, like everybody else. And so I was totally stuck out like a sore thumb, right, in this environment. And that got to me sometimes because I was trying to deal with people's pain. I was bringing people in that were like older, uh, you know, average people that just wanted to get in shape and, uh, you know, get stronger, some athletes. None of it was a bodybuilder type demographic or physique or bikini or any of that stuff. So... Uh, but I befriended the, the 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 trainers there. You know, I got to know them well, and then it just started to kind of become a thing where they would refer people. I'd refer people to them based off of like, you know, I, they want to get on stage. I don't want to deal with them. You guys have them. You know, like oh, this person you know needs some work with their shoulder and they're having pain, and so they'd give them to me. And then it started. I started to kind of build a reputation there, and it it, it took a long time. But man, I was like, if this is what it is. And I have to change my entire style of training just to cater to like, you know, this environment. I'm, I'm done. And so I, I thought about it. You know? Now, how long did it take you before you felt like you started becoming financially more successful? How, how long would you say? I would say at least six months. Not bad, dude. Six months. Yeah. I mean, I was busting my ass and I, well, the hustle of it was, <laughs> I mean, I just had started dating Courtney and I was like crushing it at, at, at 24 and I'm like, oh, that, things are going great. And then I'm like, I got to get out of here. Oh, no. You know, and, and I was I had I had left my parents because when I came back from college, I was living with my parents. So I didn't have to pay rent. And uh, and then I left. And so I was paying rent at this place with this guy I was sharing a, a room from. And so I had I had bills, I had a car, I had all this shit. And I'm like, I have to cover, you know, all these bills. And so I was like, so I actually like I downgraded my car. So I had the this total hoopty, you know, I'm driving around and I had to do what I had to do. Uh, but then thankfully, like there was there were certain rock solid clients that I did have, like a Tom uh that I brought, like he just he wouldn't like not come with me. Like, he's like, no, I'm going with you. I'm like, all right. And he was like my rock dude. He, That's awesome. he, he helped me get to where I was. For I sure. still remember that conversation. Like it was yesterday that we had when you probably couldn't blame him, right? No, it was, in fact, he came to me. I'll never forget it because I mean, it should be me, right. Who is his number one cheerleader that gets him promoted to become a fitness manager, right? He's my, he's my trainer. And at this time, I've had seven different uh, trainers underneath me who have now be gotten into upper management that are now become my peers. Uh, and so I, I prided myself on the ability to get people up and promoted. And I remember Justin being kind of the top guy for quite some time. 
And every time there was a, a new club opening, like that was that's my time. That's my job to now reach out to the district level and be like, this is the guy we need to put in this position. This is the guy who's ready. This is the guy. And I had been doing that uh, with Justin for several times. And I remember that it was about the third time uh, after like saying that he should be the next guy in our district, right? So, you know, your DM has, you know, at that time, I think he had seven clubs. He's got seven clubs that have seven fitness managers and each have probably 10 trainers or more. So there's 70 trainers for him to kind of choose from on who should be next in line potentially to run a facility. And we were always the top club. Justin was always one of the top performers. And I remember, you know, constantly telling Ben that, you know, Justin's ready, like Justin's ready. And, you know, the first time overlooked, it was kind of like no big deal. Kind of told Justin that stuff happens, doesn't align all the times. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a few things we can work on, whatever. And then we'll next, the next club that opens up. And I remember it was like the third time that that had happened. You knew he was about to, he was going to bounce. Yeah. And he, and he, well, and he came to me, he goes, what, what should I do? Cause he had already been thinking about it. We had other trainers that were, had left and went to go do private. He'd been kind of dabbling with the idea of doing it. And that was kind of the, the thing that was put, had him on the fence was, well, if I'm going to get promoted, I'll stay. I mean, you, you get promoted in your, you know, salary, 401k benefits, and you're making good money, you know, potential six figures plus. And so, you know, he's kind of like, if if they're gonna if they're gonna take me and put me in that position, then I'll stay. But if they're not, and I remember at the third one, I was sitting in the office and talking. I'm like, bro, fuck them, you know, mm-hmm. go do your own thing. And I'm in complete support of that. And that's tough for someone like me because I know that I, instantly I'm hurt from that because I'm gonna I'm gonna you feel, lose one of your top performers. Yeah, I lose one of my top performers, and I don't mind losing him if I if I lose him to a promotion. I mean, that's like to me that was uh, of all the things of all the accolades and things that I accomplished within the company, the things that I'm most proud about are not uh, records trophies, things like that. It was uh, the ability to hire, train, develop, and and, and put somebody in, in a position uh, in, as high as mine or higher, right? And so that was, to me, like a, a really, really important. And so to see, to lose him to a promotion, that would be exciting for me. But to see him overlooked multiple times and overlooked and the people that they had put in those positions, I remember, I knew who they were. I knew their their caliber uh, of uh, a trainer they were and as, what they could do as far as leadership. And I thought, you know, and I really think that a lot of that was because Justin wasn't uh, loud and outspoken. Uh, he was he was never that guy who was uh, really, really vocal and had, had talked a lot of trash and was kissing ass or doing that. And you Justin's know, Justin's definitely not an ass kisser. No, <laughs> not at all. And, no. And be, <laughs> that's repulsive. But to me. unfortunately, because of that, he was overlooked. You know, he was overlooked because you know, and it's uh, cliche to say, but the squeaky door uh, gets oiled first. And there was people that were constantly pulling on man management shirt to promote me, promote me, and and kissing ass and doing all the little things to try and get up there. But in my opinion, I think he was uh, should have been the next person in line. And so by the, about the third time that they looked past him, he was like, I'm out. Yeah, now the, the irony of all of this is that all of those moments, if I look back at all the difficult moments and all that stuff, it all led to this. It all led to us yep. working together. It all led to mind pump, and it all led to- It was all necessary. Exactly. It led to, for me personally, my purpose. This is my purpose. My purpose yeah. is not was not to be a vice president or a president in a big corporate company. Now, I probably would have done that had they catered to me and taken care of me. It might have kept me there. I don't know, to be quite honest with you. Mm. But, and you know, Adam, your decision to be honest with Justin and to say, you should fucking leave, you lost the trainer, but you gained 
a partner right. uh, with Mind Pump. Right. So, so, and that's a good thing to, to. That's something you should you should hear and listen to and understand while you're going through your challenges in the industry that you love so much, which just might be fitness. Look with that. Go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. We have tons of guides on there. We have a personal trainer guide. We have squat guides, guides on how to build almost every part of your body, nutrition guides. All of them are there, mindpumpfree.com. They cost nothing. You can also find all of us on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. And Big Daddy Adam is at Mind Pump Adam. Mm. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.